I don't know if um, let me ramble for a second because I think that you're going to have a lot more to say about this. You're going to be the authority on this film. So let me ramble on. Now's the time. The time. <laughs> I like that. Our brains thought of the same thing. That's right. Um, okay, so I, there were a couple of things, but the the more important one to me is I, this is totally. I'm just making this up. I'm, I'm becoming mm. a film historian who I, I have no right to be at this moment. <laughs> it's just like a thought I had today. And there was something about, um, I'm going to say about the mid to late 50s, probably all the way until like 1970, where I feel like the American culture, as expressed in cinema, is um, was yearning to be smarter than it was. And so what happened is you'd get like, whether it's like on the lighter end, let's say the Young Lions, but like El, <laughs> El Cid, Spartacus, Cleopatra, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the Agony and the Ecstasy. Right. And so there were these sort of minor epics. And it was like, we, it was like, um, that was it, really. It was like, I think there was a time when we came back from World War II and we'd settled into the baby boomer generation and things were sort of fat and union driven and mm. that people wanted to be smart in their suburban homes right yeah okay i mean and some of it's tied up in our family with like catholicism too because those films especially were epic and they had like the sort of catholic or or european you know i think that's i think there's a there's an element of the Hayes code that was really dependent on sort of the larger organization of catholic churches across the united states i think there's a good chunk of that and that's why there's a lot of these sort of sword and sandal epics from well, that's that a different period. thing. Yeah, no. So you're adding. You're not. That's not a. Okay, I see what you're doing there. I thought you were going off topic, but you're just you're adding a second reason why we were interested oh, in those yeah, films. Yeah, oh, I got it. Okay. Because because yeah, no. Because I think there's an interesting point that you're making there, and I think as much as anything, it's um, um, also it's. I think we wanted things to be more important. So they made movies like that that were more important I and guess smarter. Maybe like smarter a combination was the wrong the, word. Important was a better one. I like that. Yeah, well, it would feel smart. Feel smart. I mean, it's the same thing that drives people to have a um, uh, a shelf full of James Michener novels. You know, <laughs> Hawaii, Alaska, Colorado. You know, and it's like James Clavell's Shogun. It's like you could spend that much energy reading uh, real history, but yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. or Clavell. Yeah, the same sort I of thing. I love Clavell. God, so I read the, everything he ever wrote. The Clavellation or the or the James, you know, Michneration of movies. I think was sort of spread out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, these people, and it, it seemed to me it stopped kind of around the, the, into the turn of the 70s, but we were kind of obsessed before then. That's one thing. And then another thing I was thinking uh, is, you know, my wife and I just got done watching the first season of a series that's on hiatus, but it's called Station Eleven. Okay. And Station Eleven was, it, it's based on a graphic novel. It's for uh, someone... Comic book. Right. <laughs> um, and it's was... Written and I think filmed prior to the pandemic, but it's about a pandemic that, oh, that wow. seizes the world. Okay, and how this group of survivors find each other and and deal with it. It sounds terrible. It sounds like just the kind of thing I would fucking hate. But it was so well done. Mm-hmm. It's one of my the, my favorite shows I've ever watched. At this really? Point. What's it called again? It's called Station Eleven. Okay, I think it's it's cool. Netflix. It's, no, I think it's HBO. Okay, might be Hulu, but um. <coughs> 
that's a sort of a different point, which is, uh, I think, I mean, the more obvious point about, about a lot of movies is that they help us understand either what we're going through or what we've just experienced. I right. mean, that's some segment of movies and then a lot of movies aren't and those things, but some segment of movies right. is the best years of our life. Let me, right. Well, okay. I was, I, that's interesting that you brought that up because that's one of the rare sort of movies before to my other point. That's one of the rare movies. I'm all over the place. I apologize. It's one of the rare movies where it's sort of epic, but it's not really epic. It's just yeah. long. <laughs> there's a movie that I, I love the best years of our lives. Yeah, but there's yeah, also yeah. a movie called Until you get home with Claudia Colbert. It was the same year. And it was like two different studios made two different three hour movies about people dealing with soldiers coming home or going mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, that's not quite the same thing as trying to be important or smart. The other thing I'm talking about, but it is, it does come close to this idea that it's like, we, we use movies to try to understand War is a great example. I mean, we had Sands of Iwo Jima during the war, and, and that's like understanding the war, but it's also propaganda. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. but then we have the Young Lions, or or um, from here to eternity after the war, right. and it's like okay, that's a bit of a reflection on what was going on mm -hmm. ten years ago or right. eight years ago or whatever. And it a is. more sensitive approach because it's not you're not in war and doing propaganda. But then there's like the Guns of Navarone, which is like I think that's part of column a which is like the 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 vie to seem smarter because the whole movie opens up with a a, a three minute ted talk on on the situation mm. on never own there was a, you know you probably know it by heart uh. but the, the, the narrator comes in and gives this whole sort of like history about the men on never own and, and what place that island off the gnc i guess it is off mm -hmm. greece played in the war and 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 with the people, you know, always it makes a distinction immediately between the people of Navarone and their occupiers and, and all this sort of stuff. And and so it's trying to, I feel like I, I can picture our grandparents nodding to each other as if they were now suddenly, they've taken <laughs> a history course or something. Right, and, right. But it's also this, I think it's like, this isn't the reason I'm sure they made this movie, but I, I kind of feel like one of the selling points is, hey, here's a part of the war. We just went through this war and we've kind of exhausted the things we can talk about it. You know, we've done the Guadalcanal movies and and, right. and all the important battles and Hitler and everything else. Hey, did you know we also had uh, battles in Greece? Did well, you know, yeah. That was a place people fought in. I think so. And it's not just that it was niche. It was like trying to understand one more element of mm. the war, which, and then of course, well, there's lots to say about it, but those two things strike me immediately when, when I think about this movie. Well, the thing, uh, I think the this is uh, a little less cryptic, the sort of the origination of this movie than you might think, because uh, yeah. I think it's just ba it's based on an Alistair MacLean novel that just hit it big. Alistair MacLean is... He didn't do a lot else, but... Yeah, he's, he's like, sort anyways. of an early Frederick Forsythe, right? Like, in terms <coughs> right, of, and not nearly as good. He's a little early Ludlamy also, right? Yeah. Well, no, Ludlum's terrible too, but yeah. Uh, but uh, Force, uh, no, um, Alistair MacLean. Uh, I read the book. It's it, the movie is way better than the book. That's true of a, a few. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just it's the type. I mean, it was it was uh, you know it, essentially it was you know '50s '60s World War II pulp is what it really was. Well, that's the thing about this movie. I'm just going to blow my load immediately. I love the movie. I love it for numerous reasons. Mm -hmm. It fits into the core four it's and it's, core it's four. part of the series about like the movies your dad made people watch, forced people to watch. I loved it. I have Never nostalgic reasons for loving it. I love it on its own terms. Yep. Um, but there is something about this movie that once, once the little history lesson is over at the beginning, you expect given the cast and, and that it's a sort of rolling epic film to, to, um, 
to be one thing. And for me, one thing it is immediately, and for some reason I like it, it's a little cold and distant. Hmm. I, I don't I never feel like I get into yeah. unlike the Great Escape. Let, I mean it's unfair, but let's compare it to the Great Escape or or even Bridge on the River Kwai. You know, I feel with most of the characters in the Bridge of the River Kwai or the Great Escape, like I'm constantly in somebody's corner. Right. And and with this one, I'm just kind of in the corner of the gang for yeah. some reason. Okay. And it's because I'm supposed to be and I'm fine with it. No, no. I think that's I think I think you make a really interesting point. There's no emotional Damn. there's no emotional uh depth to any of these characters in this in this movie even though there's a try which should which a couple of times there's a stab at it and that should make it like a failed corny thing but i don't feel that way about it either no there's like there's there's it's an interesting this movie is almost there's a certain amount of almost anti-chemistry going on it's like yeah it really is a lot it's much more i think about uh the conflict between the actual the actors and the characters right then they're all none of them really agree with each other so i think there is oh, that yeah. i think it's a really actually that's i've never thought of that but that's, that's an interesting this movie point hundreds of times yeah so, yeah, yeah I've, I've seen really it probably 20 I'm because not... it really is the the energy of the movie comes from their opposition to each other so yeah so in the great escape when the when the guy goes you know, your english is very good thank you mac it's like oh no uh, you, you cared like, about him well but you can care about these guys too but but the thing is there's a in the great escape there's a camaraderie that that falls apart you're like oh it's falling uh, it's unraveling and here it's like there's nothing to <laughs> unravel right these guys would you know, not if not knife each other, they'd punch each other in the snout. If you know, if they were yeah. civilians, yep. in yep. real life, and of course, one of the relationships, and they're all sociopaths, in, in one, one, one way or another, between between uh, Anthony Quinn, who side note by the way, I always thought that Anthony <sighs> Quinn was a guy who just didn't give a shit about anyone. He just strikes me as a guy who oh, really? less of a oh, fuck about no, people. No, no, he was uh, he was supposedly a genuinely sweet man. Oh, he had like eighteen kids he abandoned. Well, I mean, they were probably bad kids. That's all I'm going to say. Eh, what were they wearing? <laughs> they were asking for it. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so. Um, but okay. Anthony on. Quinn and 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 of course um, Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck, who's like you know the perennial likable character. I mean, he was so yes. likable that. He had to wait until the late seventies to take roles as like like a, you know retired <laughs> Nazis in Brazil and stuff just to sort of like get some variance in his acting uh, yeah, chops or whatever. Yeah. He was he was he was definitely the studio. He was a type. Yeah, yeah likable but tough. Guy. Atticus decent, Finch, yeah, right? It's right. like likable, but he will do what needs to be done. Yeah. And, and and so he'll stand up. So he and he and Anthony Quinn are are most obviously at odds with each right. other. But then David Niven is at odds. Oh, we can talk about the LC. He's kind of at odds with everybody in a sense. Everyone is at odds with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and and Dave, David Niven is kind of like he's the histrionic uh, person doing that. The rest of them, if you think about it, like the other two supporting yeah, he characters, a histrionic oh, history he's beautiful on. man. Yeah, uh, the other two characters are just like uh, they're just like I want to go kill something. That's that's what they do. The, the butcher of, of Barcelona, the butcher of or Barcelona, yeah. and, the, and the Greek kid who was uh, you know Greeky and childish. Yeah, yeah, and cute. So for for the ladies. Yeah. Okay, I like that. And then of course the guy who's always I like him, but it's like he just never popped you could just tell he he died disappointed that's anthony quayle yeah i know you know he's I've in heard. this movie he's in uh lawrence of arabia he's always like some oddball right. character usually a british officer he was what guy, i've seen he was a guy on the stage who ruled as shakespeare really? they considered him like the lex olivier for a while like he was just killing it as like henry v etc but then when he got went over to films Eighth billing, kind typically. A, an interesting number of them made that transition well. O'Toole, uh, what's his name? Um, from, oh, God, he's even in this goddamn movie. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, that guy. 
Ah, in this movie. Dumbledore. Shit. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Harris. Yeah, uh, Richard Harris. Richard, uh, yeah, he's in Richard, for like Richard, three seconds. Yeah, but it's his first speaking part, and it's uh, kind of a notably cool speaking part at that. But uh, yeah. but it's really interesting. I always love the, the stories from those guys, the ones who really made the move yeah. from stage. You know, Richard Burton, too. Like, oh, made, yeah, yeah, Made yeah. that move to... You know, to the big screen and made it work. But you're right about Anthony Quayle. That's a he's kind of a I kind of love him. He's yeah. he's weird. You know what it is? He's chubby. His face is just chubby. It's not. It, it doesn't translate well kind of, to the screen. He's kind of too good at what he does too. I think he probably uh, suffered for being like the most uh, the least Hollywoodish actor uh, in a way. Um, yeah. Okay. So so I mean, we're just sort of dancing around. But like the the issue here is give us a plot, man. Uh once there was an island of Navarone. I got to say, I, first off, I, that opening. Could that, you do the, it by memory? No, no, okay. not anymore. Uh, the music of that, the, the music in that opening is one of my favorite sounds soundtracks of all time. Yeah. It's just weird and beautiful and sort of over the top, very pompous. It's got some of the qualities of the of the Spartacus <coughs> soundtrack. I feel. Yeah, I wonder. I wouldn't be surprised if we're the same people okay. working all on right. it. But um, okay, so uh, you got this island. It's called Navarone. Strategically, it's covering a strait. Uh, it's got uh, two uh, very large battleship guns, and the and the straight can't take more than like a light cruiser class. Okay. Okay. Um, on the other side of the straight is a bunch straight of... and cruiser. That doesn't make sense, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm. You don't think the straights can cruise, baby? Uh, please cut that. Yep. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, meanwhile, a bunch of uh, British soldiers uh, are uh, mar- are sort of stranded. Uh, past the strait, and they, they need to get a rescue mission through there, but ships can't make it through there because they'll be sunk by the guns of Navarone, hence the name of the movie. Um, and so they figured they would send in uh, like a like a, a demolition team of, of specialists. You forgot the, the word rag ragtag. Ragtag, yeah, but yeah, rag ragtag. The bad news bears of people who kill lots of Germans, right. basically. Yeah. So uh, they put together this ragtag team on a suicide mission to go in there and, and destroy the guns. Uh, and that's essentially like that's the that's the broad strokes of the movie. It's, By the way, we we talked we we mentioned this when we did the core four part one with Bullet. I kind of feel the same way here. I I know the plot. Mm-hmm. You're not revealing anything new to me, and yet many times when I watch this movie, throughout the movie, I've just completely forgotten the thread of like uh, what yeah. the hell the plot is. Yeah, we talked about it and we did we did the exact same thing with Bullet. I was actually thinking about that yesterday. How just my brain never. I, I never, I never even. It wasn't until like five years ago I stopped to think about the plot of Bullet and, right. and, and piece it together. Before that, you, I just watched it over and over and over again without really taking in like what was actually. <laughs> and this one, by the way, it's it's a little easier because it's just it's essentially a premise that yeah. has to be followed through. But I'm just saying, like halfway through Guns of Navarone, I'm kind of off. Yeah, off target. With Doesn't matter. What the just, whole purpose of this goddamn movie is? It's got a it's got a pretty tremendous cast, and the cast yeah. does a really good job of carrying this thing. Yeah, well, even the okay, so that that initial like that could be a terrible, terrible execution. The the whole deal between so so Gregory Peck has the character has at some point betrayed Anthony Quinn's. Um, it betrayed him to 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 the degree. Anthony oh no! Quinn he let, uh, his... he he, uh, he let some uh, German officers uh, through. Yeah, uh, took them prisoner. Yeah, let's put a pause. No, go ahead. Okay, uh, he, he let some German officers through. Yeah, and they went in and blew up Anthony Quinn's house. Yeah, I mean this is family. worse. This is worse than Gladiator in a sense, in that like Quinn has every fucking reason to to need to kill this guy. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's. Ah, my dogs are barking. <laughs> my dogs Literally, are barking. Literally, my dog tonight. is barking because oh, he's an yeah. idiot. And well, there's a cat outside. Well, I put him in the room. 
Okay. All right, hold on. All right, so we're we're back. So we're back. Um, yeah. So so I think we were saying the that idea, that premise that that Anthony Quinn's character and Gregory Peck's character that that the one they have to work together, knowing that the one wants to kill the other one when they're right. done with the mission. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it, it's it that could be so badly executed and yes. for some reason it isn't here and not that it's right. believable mm-hmm. but it's just palatable for some reason yeah. i think it's because it's not brought up that often no it's brought up like what three times the full explanation is given right at the beginning it sort yeah. of comes up here and there but it, yeah they don't they, they never really acknowledge it i think a bad director would 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 keep harping on that right or make it like you know a, like a subplot in the in the in the movie so, so we're also given, you know, you mentioned that whole thing with, what's his name? Richard Harris, right? Mm-hmm. And so at the beginning, there's this idea, like, they, they question the airmen about the feasibility of, mm-hmm. of, of this island. And Richard Harris basically says, it can't be done, and you're just killing us, man. Right. And fuck you. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, he says it more like, you're just killing us, man. More like that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, us, man. Up, stand up for your uh, rights. Charlie, Charles Manson, man. But all of that is really just a, um, um illustration in terms yeah. of the high command, the English high command to, to Gregory Peck. Like, here's what you're up against. These guys have been trying it right. and it's not going to happen. Right. And that's why we're sending you in there to die. It's a terrible It made me think for some reason uh, of, you know, Curtis LeMay. Mm. That yeah. whole that whole thing about about um, sending men in to die, talk to me. He was just for it. Well, the no, idea, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the idea okay, was good. You, you had limited accuracy over Japanese cities oh, from yeah. a height, so like let's bring these bombers way down, and mm-hmm. so people were like, "Well, more of our men will get killed." And he's like, "Yeah, right, but we'll win." Right? Do you understand war at all, you idiot? <laughs> and so there's a little, there's like a, a gentler version of that happening here. <laughs> I, I don't know that I've ever heard Curtis LeMay better uh, encapsulate. That. <laughs> That's well done. Well done. Um, but yeah, so so it's like we have that same situation there. So it's like okay, classic sort of epic movie. No chance yeah. of survival. Right. Half, we have to do it because of patriotism. The people involved hate each other. Yeah. You know, it's everything about it is just something that should stink. And for some reason, it really—I think you hit on the on the nose. It's the characters. Yeah. They just do such a great the, job. The, the actors really carry the whole thing. Like even like like they're like even little small parts. Like there's the. Uh, the resistance fighter who ultimately is actually betraying them and she doesn't speak through three quarters of the movie. Mm. And she's kind of a hope on my friend. She's trying to get with old Gregory. I wasn't even thinking about that, but but you're right. Oh, yeah. I had a thing for her, man. There is a um, a traitor in in yeah. the camp and it's um as if they need as if they didn't this didn't need to be a more impossible fucking task. Yeah. I mean it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. To me the movie the the, the most joy uh, that I, I've always gotten out of this movie is Niven. Yeah. Niven, Niven like eats the scenery in parts of this movie so they, they, in such a beautiful niven way. At one point, they, um, whatever, overtake some Nazi officers and mm-hmm. I guess discover that they have exactly the same size clothing. This always happens in a movie. And they put on their clothes and then Niven says, shocking taste in undies. And then he just starts... There's a pause, and he goes, "Hi, everybody!" Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, ah, oh, he's brilliant. Who just love the Niven? A great character. Just, okay, so two things I got to say now. Yeah. One is again, read the book. In the book, he was like an awful Texan. Like it just doesn't even translate how the fuck they got from point A to point B on this one. But it's but the Niven is so much better. 
than that that fucking sometimes i admire that old sort of clunky hollywood (laughs) system because i think they used to just just do that yeah and it was like well if we can get joan fontaine that this person's no longer scottish (laughs) this person's whatever yeah and i think now the more admirable things now's the opposite effect of like post uh uh, Uh, brando the it's more admirable that Nicole Kidman apparently is nailing the job of, of all people in this new miniseries, um, Lucille Ball. I oh, mean, they're yeah. saying about her, yeah. like, you, that seems like we're watching a, like Lucy. Right, right. And it's like, that's totally admirable. But I kind of like the old slap sticker system mm-hmm. of the old, like, ah, I guess, you know, uh, Martin Luther King's white now. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, but just for the purposes of this movie. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And then the other thing, too, is like one of the things the core four all have sort of in common, and this movie sort of has it in spades, and most of it's coming from Niven, is it's endlessly quotable, and there's a yeah. lot of relatability going on in it, too. What do you mean by relatability? Ah, there's a scene in there where, okay, Stanley Baker was injured in their initial ridiculous climb to get onto the island, okay? No, I thought it was Anthony Quayle. That's what I meant. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Stanley Baker Whatever, was yeah, the but... butcher of Barcelona. I keep yeah, forgetting yeah. that. Anyway, so uh, Anthony Quayle, uh, he's injured, uh, and so they decide to mislead the Germans by telling him the wrong information and then leaving him with the Germans. Yep. And uh, um, uh, because they have scalapamine, scopolamine. So, but it's a truth serum essentially, and so they have to give him a piece of information that he thinks is the truth, right? So that as they torture him and then give him the serum, uh, truth serum, he'll out with what turns out to be false information, but what he thinks is true, right? Yeah. Okay. So well played, Joseph. Thank you. Yep. Um, so they, they so uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Niven's character is really good friends with this guy. Like yeah. they're old friends. Yeah, yeah. And so he when he finds out about it, just his outrage. He, oh, he just pulls a, he pulls yeah. a he has an apoplectic fit that is yeah. really fun to watch and also wonderful to quote, you know. So that was so uh, uh, like I said every, uh, everything in the core four had a certain quotability going for it at some one point or another, but you know uh, like the the favorite was from that that scene there it was like, "Oh, that's easy for you to say sitting there Drinking coffee. That's it's ridiculous, but it's so like it's a very human moment. That's not the one for me. My whole life I've almost <coughs> waited because I failed a couple times to to get myself in a situation where I could tell someone, You've used up an entire human being. Uh, that, important that line, human being. That always used to get yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and he has his little steak and kidney pie and he has uh, a cigarette for the dying. It's or just the, his relate their relationship it, that's the only sweet relationship in the whole goddamn movie well, that I can think of. No way. There's the butcher, not the butcher, the young Greek and his sister. Right. And the sister who gives him uh, the slap for never writing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a sweet relationship, no? Yeah, no, that's Greek. Greeks don't have sweet relationships. That's the thing. Is this going to be a, a lot dumb of thing body that hair. people say, like, <laughs> uh, the Irish don't express their feelings? Or, I mean, come on. Who's ever said that about me? I mean, uh, the Irics. Uh, now you lost me. What well, point? I think that we should go Irix, you okay. and I, instead of you know Latinx Irix. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? No, 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 I'm just saying, let's do it. Let's oh. get our piece of the the victim pie, sir. Oh, well, okay. Uh, That's Irix. Fuck, fuck John Bull. Okay, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, John. Okay. I, uh, yeah, you've hit that like about 16 times during this thing. By the way, you have. Uh-huh. Um, okay, uh, any shortcomings in this movie? Let's talk oh. about that. 
Well, it's not a great movie. It's not. This is not fucking. Uh, this is. It's not, a three out of four star. If you're just being yeah, technical about yeah, it, right? Yeah. I mean, it, this is not Citizen Kane by any stretch of the imagination. This is not wonderful movie making. Uh, it's extremely competent movie making, and it does exact. There's not. There's not. There's very little wasted in this movie. So it's. A, so it's a competently. If you don't mind my asking, what do you mean? There's very little. Wasted? Well, every scene has like a point to the rest of the. You know, to to the movement of the movie. Every scene, nothing, nothing in there I can think of is is a wasted shot. You know, like even like the you know like uh, sort of the background scenes where they show a little bit of the island going on behind him, being a very Greek island. But that's what that's about just... the what about the part where David Niven plants several bombs as they're leaving in the gun, and one of them's a, like a mouse that squeaks. Ah, that's just funny. Okay, which is hilarious. <laughs> All right, because then it does, and then you see a German like shit himself, like thinking that he's holding onto a bomb, and it just goes squeak. Yeah, ah, so funny. So it's got some comedy. There's there's genuinely funny moments in this movie as well. Was this a movie? If it's a core four, and it's every other weekend, you're at your divorced dad's house. Mm-hmm. I'm being literal. This is not a scenario. Was this a movie that started the weekend or ended it? Oh, it's to be a Saturday night, like every other visit or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the uh, bullet was the Sunday morning every Sunday. Yeah. Like even if we weren't there, I'm pretty sure that that went down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this uh, less frequent, but frequent enough. Definitely. If I'm thinking about the placement of the tapes, and just recall, dear listeners, that the whole premise here in the eighties is, is you have the VHS tape. Mm-hmm. It's on the extended play, which means six hours, which means typically you could put three movies in there devoted to an actor, a yep. director. So every once a while, theme, a theme. sometimes, sometimes hold on, hold on. near the end, he lost it, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you're talking about all that <laughs> stuff, you did every once in a while. And for some reason it was especially on Ampex tapes. He would make these kind of like odd calls, like an audible. So it'd be like, mm-hmm. um, Papa's Delicate Condition. Oh, you're doing a Gleason tape with The Hustler? That's Gleason's movie. Right. All right. And the same thing here. He saw this as Mm -hmm. Quinn's movie. Right, right. Was it? No. No, technically I mean, in your view. No, no. Honestly... I mean, technically, it was definitely a Gregory Peck vehicle, but would primarily. You, would you agree? Because I kind of think it is a Gregory Peck vehicle personally, too. Would you also agree with that? Mm, yeah. Well, I wouldn't agree with this. Play. Here's the thing. If I were going to put so if I were going to put this on a tape that wasn't Gregory Peck, yeah. I'd have put it on a date to David Niffen. Along to with be, what? But that's, that, I think, is probably why that didn't happen. Well, this because is, but because this is, Dad was not a huge, you know, he didn't have a large yeah. collection of Niven movies. Ah. Niven, I don't think made it over to star very often in American movies. I could put, I could make a, a late fifties, early sixties Niven movie, but that is the. the if there are shortcomings of your dad, it's that he had this depth of knowledge, and then when he didn't, it was like a complete blind. Spot. They didn't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. There's some movies I've never seen because they were not in his collection because he that for should whatever should be with the extensive collection that he had. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. I think he well he had like Gone with the Wind, but it, but he never watched it. Right, right. So, and then I watched it later on. I finally, you know, I, tell you, I finally, I finally got to watch that movie. I was like, "Oh, you were right, pops. Way to go!" But not to watch it. Yeah, it's not a good movie. I don't. In my I don't dislike it. I had this conversation. I don't want to get too far away from this. Sorry to interject this, but I had this near argument with someone, and then I realized, well, I'm not even going to start this as an argument. It's kind of silly. But but we were both watching a, um, the television, uh, the the picture box, and there was a news story about. Um, um, a new Hollywood museum and a wing of it was like the, the black cinematic experience or something. And so this woman was talking about the problematic nature 
of um, Gone with the Wind. To, to which the person I was with, who does not like Gone with the Wind either, said, yeah, it is a problem. I mean, like, you have to talk a lot about that movie beforehand. It's like um, Birth of a Nation. To which I say, Birth of a Nation, there's a definite reason to talk to people before you show that movie. Yeah. There's a... No, Gone with the Wind, I think, shows the embarrassing history is not embarrassing itself. Now you may it, yeah. you might not like it. It might be corny or whatever. I don't think I don't find Gone with the Wind to be a racist movie. No, no. I, I think it's a movie I, that it's not, has racism in. And if it's yeah. the Civil War, why wouldn't it? Right. Like, I mean, the, you know, the black person who walked away with the with the best supporting Oscar. But Oscar like there, Queen, is, right? Or is it Hattie McDonald? Hattie McDonald. Yeah, yeah. But she is also kind of like. She's, she's also portrayed as sort of smarter than all the white people around her yeah. to a certain extent. She's the one they listen to, right? She's got wisdom. And that. Yeah. So there's, so there's that, that thing going on. I think the most, uh, I just thought I found it boring as shit. Mm. The most interesting thing about it is how utterly unlikable Scarlett O'Hara is. She's, uh, she's well, a To monster. me too, but I, that, I do find that, That's that engaging. That was sure. really interesting. Yeah, yeah sorry. Was, I didn't mean to take us off. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, so great music. Uh, the cinematography also is kind of funky. It's not great, but it's not terrible either. It's really strange because it's mixed. The whole thing with them climbing up the mountain, it is so obvious to me. Maybe it's just like 2021 sophistication or 2022 sophistication, but it's so clear that they're just crawling on the ground and the camera is just sort of... Yeah. I mean, some of the things are kind of ridiculous and and not wasted. I agree with your non-wasted comment, but there are elements where... The cinematography is pretty startlingly good for 1962 mm-hmm. or 61, 62, and and sometimes when it, it seems like it's almost like well it is it's stock almost, footage, it's like stock yeah. footage, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's a, there's a thing too, and it, it's sort of from that time period. Speaking of Anthony Quinn, but like yeah. Zorba the Greek, for instance, like there's this notion in Hollywood that you just need a bunch of shitty rocky ground and you're in Greece. Oh, a lot of right, there, or a cactus, yeah. and you're in Mexico, <laughs> right, or right. whatever. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot. I I, I always I. I never thought about it. I wonder where they did shoot that. It's not a location shoot. Why the hell would you make that movie in location? I'd be great if it was like Ronald Reagan's backyard or something. Some sort of like uh, Laguna Hills uh, <laughs> back lot <laughs> yeah, or something. Right. You can't see the Chick-fil-A just well, off screen. Or... Speaking of another side note, sorry to take us away from Guns and Navarro again. <laughs> I I got, heard, wait, by the way, oh, okay, go on. I heard this recently. Somebody who had recently read a book about... Nancy Reagan. Apparently, Nancy Reagan was the throat goat it, of the fifties or the forties. Yeah, she was famous for that. I had you'd heard this before. I had, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm? probably from Dad. I think Dad. So this is lore from Dad, like twenty or thirty, 30 even years ago. Dad loved Ronald Reagan. Loved Ronald. That was his fucking hero. Okay, and he's still like you know. Dad was sufficiently an admirer of a good blowjob to I, give mad credit to Nancy. I yeah. I just find her politics aside, she just seems like such an unlikable person and the least sexual person I think I've ever seen. Yep, she was pretty hot when she was younger, honestly. Yeah, I just, she was in her it's not heyday. even about her attractiveness. You could tell that she was be- she's probably beautiful. Just something about her is like yeah, it's just, it's kind of repellent. Yeah, yeah, for but, sure. But uh, I'm willing to give her a second look. Well, I did, that's, that's, God, that's, that's big of you, Joseph. That's big of you. <laughs> that's quite big. I mean, it's shocking taste in undies, too. So now here's a, here's a really... Okay, so here's a funny here's a funny specifically core four fact about this movie. Okay. Uh, never called it the Guns of Navarone. Oh, I know what you're going to say. 
Is yeah. that the same time or not? I'll tell, no, I'll tell you why. I can give you the whole history on it, oh, too. Because okay. it was right. me who came up with the stupid thing. I, I was trying to say Guns oh, of Navarone, and I couldn't remember goddamn Navarone. So I said, the Guns of uh, Macaroni. Yeah. And so it was ever, Dad, forever afterward, called it the Guns of Macaroni. Mm. So mm. I remember uh, him calling that that. I didn't know the, the origin story, and I'm not much better for having learned it, frankly. Yeah, I think but you're but a better man now. Did you eat macaroni it's while a, watching it's it? It's about the more to the story. Dad didn't know how to cook macaroni. I do remember in sixth grade being, uh, this happened to me twice. This happened a couple of years later with the movie Victory. Um, but in sixth grade, this is when I lived in San Francisco. I'm sort of a fish out of water anyway. Just one year out of Fresno. <coughs> School in the big city. Yep. And we were in the cafeteria. And, uh, you know, this might shock you, but I was eating alone. And uh, someone behind um, me. I've eaten near you, I guess. <laughs> from my class said, uh, uh Oh, Guns of Neverone had been on, on uh, Channel 2 the mm-hmm. night before, Sunday night. There's only one, two. Zoom. And uh, the guy yeah. behind me said, uh, oh, last night, did you see? And I turned around and I said, the Guns of Neverone? And it, he was like, what? Oh, you no. fucking dick. <laughs> piece of garbage. Told you not to talk to me, you bastard. No, it was this movie put out by uh, Bukowski. It's uh, tremendous. Oh, Fuck. God. Uh, no one understood me. Yeah, yeah Guns of Neverone is a great one. Um would you rank it? So we have two of the core four down right now. Would yeah. you rank it higher or lower than Bullet? The criteria being first in terms of quality of movie, which is a better. Whoa, forget that's your an own interesting metric. Forget yeah. your own feelings, right? Like for a second, or your attachment I, to I it. Personally, okay. Well, I'm going to answer that part first. Anyways, I think I like which Guns part? Of, I like Guns of Macaroni better. You're just going to answer my version of the question. I will in a second. First? I will, Smarty Pants. But yeah, well, yeah, I'm more important. So, All right. yes. I had an order. This here, is my my dad died, Joe. Mm. Okay, that's right. That's right. It's some Joker. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. So, uh, wow. Which is a better movie? Shit. That's the question on the tape. Oh, it's got to be Bullet. If just for that car chase. I mean, that car chase was remarkable. So, I mean, that's, that's a remarkable well, piece of cinematography that that elevates that movie as making as a matter of, like logistics almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's a better movie. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't even. Yeah, like acting. I. They're both like. In the same neighborhood, same ballpark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you one one thing. Guns of, Ro- I mean, Guns of Guns of, Ro- <laughs> Guns oh of Macaroni has sweet child, shocking taste, welcome to was <laughs> the ridiculous um, village uh, <clears throat> sing along. I kind of love that scene. It's so yeah. I mean, it yeah, is, it's lovable, it's but it's ridiculous as... for sure. Man. Well, yeah. Okay. Oh, Jesus! I fuck. I hate you so much for that you use just... of that word. No, well, okay, I will. I'll All add right. that on the enough, pile yeah. over here. But yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you just there—that is kind of a wasted scene. It is. I, well, uh, that wasn't evidence fuck. about it being wasted. It was just—it's no, a little I, like, why'd you do that? Yeah, yeah right. Come yeah, on. I don't know that. I guess. Okay, it, which it, one it made you like Greek Greek people more? Which is a difficult road to hoe. I have two more questions, and so I think you answered one. Which one do you enjoy more as a movie? I, I kind of. I just. I. I always. I like Guns of Navarone. I just walk okay, away so for feeling you, better. Well, it's a better it. movie, like on paper. Let's yeah, call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Guns of Navarone is one you've mm. enjoyed more. Which would you rather watch right now, tonight? Guns, Bullet, probably Bullet. Okay, no, like right now, yeah, it'll be Bullet. I guess. All right, all right, good. Yeah. Well, great. I don't know what else to say about this movie, but. It, uh, obviously, we give it the three out of four. Thumbs three out of four. Thumbs Absolutely. up. Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. You're sleeping mm-hmm. one off. Hangovers Your going away. Friends like never heard of World War Two. You're like, oh, watch this, and then you'll know things now. Yeah. 
this is a movie. Here's another way to judge movies because it, it seems like a, it's a criteria that's important these days. You throw on a movie and you look over and someone's scrolling through the phone. Actually, without getting into anything specific, we recently had an experience. We'll talk about this on the podcast soon where we went to a movie, a classic movie that was being shown in the theaters. And we went with a bunch of people and somehow I ended up sitting next to somebody who's not my wife. And during the opening credits, this person started scrolling through the phone. And I noticed it wasn't like to text someone the movie starting. They were on like Facebook or something. Hmm. And I started glaring at them. And my wife came, knowing me, came over and said, oh, let me sit in between you two. Because <laughs> she knew what was coming next. Uh-huh. Okay, now having said that, is Guns of Navarone a movie? Which of the two movies would you be less... More upset about if some if you looked over and someone was scrolling through their phone. I mean, it's unforgivable anyway. Guns of Navarone. I mean, it's it's an important question. Here's why: because I watched a, a, a Bergman movie the other day with my wife, and I, and she didn't scroll through her phone. Yeah. But if 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 she had started scrolling, I would have thought this is insanity. What are you doing? Like you need to know this, or it's right. like a Tarantino movie. You need to know. Right. So that's what I mean. That's why I asked the question. Navarone. Some of these older movies, it seems like. You're already going to get like the boredom factor from some people. Mm-hmm. And I already want to scream at anyone who's scrolling to their phone during a movie. But it, you got to start making your choices. I think it's a legitimate criteria to start applying to movies. The scroll, okay. scrolling to the movie factor. Scroll factor. The scroll factor. Nice. Okay. All right. All right, uh, Relative to that, I, and I have, I have reasons for this. I think uh, I would be more upset, uh, Guns of Navarone, because I think, uh, and, and I think we've already pointed it out, Bullets hard to follow anyway. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like you know that takes that's that's un, complete and undivided attention. Anybody who can look at their phone needs you know uh, don't do it in in Guns of Navarone because there's an actual plot that moves forward in a linear fashion. It's so funny that there are some film. I mean, the, the famous ones are like The Big Sleep when like they did the dailies or they did the the preview and everyone's like, "What the hell was that about?" Like right. we made the movie, we don't know what that's about. Yeah, like there's, there's some, a death that's unaccounted for by anybody. <laughs> yeah, so there's some movies that just seem to have that. And Bullet, I think they wouldn't admit it, but I think it, it definitely had yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. yeah but Guns and Navarone is Bullet's cool factor. To one of the first points I was trying to make, I don't think it made it very well. If if in 1962 it's like. We want to feel, you know, educated when we watch these films. <laughs> it's definitely a film that they weren't trying to do that. They wanted you to look, like, yeah, yeah, be there for every aspect of the plot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, all right, man. All right, all right. Later, Tommy. Later, Gator.